Hello, I'm Grace Jeffries and I'm thinking about my future. To help me do this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they have faced throughout their careers, how they overcame them and what tips they have for girls of my age. Today, today my guest is Emma McClarkin. Emma is currently the CEO of the British Beer and Pub Association, an organisation that represents all the pubs and breweries in the UK. Previously, Emma was a Conservative MEP. Thanks for joining me today, Emma. Can we start by you telling the listeners a little about the work you do now at the BBPA? Hi there, Grace. Yes, of course. Um, I work for the British Beer and Pub Association, which represents 90% of all the brewers in the United Kingdom and about 20,000 pubs. So I've got quite a big membership and quite a lot of uh, people to make sure um, have jobs and that can stay open and have a local pub to visit. Interesting. When you were at school, did you know what you wanted to do or be, or did that happen when you were older? When I was um, younger, when I was very young, about six, I was obsessed with space, and I always said that I wanted to be an astronaut. And then by the time I was going mm-hmm. to um, move on to uh, secondary school, I was more drawn to being a journalist. I thought, well, maybe I'll be a journalist. And then I thought, maybe I'll be a political journalist. But I still wasn't 100% sure exactly what I wanted to do. So, um, you know, I just always was encouraged to keep learning and be curious and um, stay open. And, and that was really, really helpful to me because I didn't have this set path I had to stick to. I was just told that I needed to keep studying hard and keep discovering um, what, I, what I liked and what I was good at. Have you always been interested in politics? I have. I find politics absolutely fascinating. Um, and it's probably quite rare for a young person to do that. But I studied politics um, uh, for A-level when I was at school. I was um, really interested in politics in the UK and also in America and sort of following that international political scene. But I had absolutely no idea when I was 18 years old that if somebody had said to me, you know, one day you'll be a politician, it wasn't abs- it definitely wasn't in my mind to be one. But I knew that I wanted to work in and around it, whether it was being a reporter, reporting on it, or actually working in, even in the library, in the House of Commons, I remember applying for a job for the library. Um, and then I actually ended up being a press officer for the party so that was kind of the media route that was covered um, but a political one and then I ended up being a politician myself. Have you ever had any idols? Oh I've had lots of idols but they're perhaps not um, your stereotypical ones. When I was young growing up um, I, I used to listen a lot to, to country music and there was, a, there was a lady called Dolly Parton and she's a fabulous lady, very glamorous with long blonde hair, just like me. And I always saw her. She was the, the one woman I would really know in country music. She was the one. Um, so I was always thinking, wow, she's so clever and creative and talented. I used to read books as well by a lady called Jilly Cooper. And I adored her. She was from the same place that I, I grew up. Um, she again was a glamorous blonde lady and she had written books and sold millions of books around the world. So they were my idols because they were women that I could identify with that seemed to still be very feminine 
but also get to the top of their career path. So many people think I should say Margaret Thatcher because I became a politician, and I do admire her. But when I was growing up, it was more, are there women out there that still look like women and are very successful? Did you go to university, and how important do you think it is to go? Oh, it is... Um, really important for me to go to university because I was still uncertain which path I had when I was 18 and all I knew is that I really wanted to continue studying so that I could decide what I could do in the future um, and I studied um, law at university and I think law is a really good foundation from which you can then leapfrog into lots of different careers and of course also Politics is a lot about constitutional law, how law is made and how law is upheld in this country. So I was always interested in that interplay between um, how policy is made, how decisions are made and how the law is kept in place. So for me, it was really important that even though all my friends that I studied law with at university went on to become very successful lawyers, I decided that law wasn't the path for me, but I've been able to use the skills that I got from that period of time um, in all of my career in many different ways um, and but what was really important about my time at university was I did a um, what they call a sandwich degree where you spend your third year actually working in industry so I had hands-on experience before I left university and I would highly recommend everybody to try and get as much work experience on their CV as you possibly can because there are lots of people that will have fulfilled qualifications or academic journeys, but not many people will have that work experience. And whatever makes you stand out, even if it isn't in a chosen field, people will say that person's had experience of being operational, actually working in an office environment. They will know how to come in and, and get going quickly rather than somebody that's just in the theory. So I know there are many routes in life and you don't always have to go to university. But um, for me, it was the right one, and I can still look back on the things I did, and they've absolutely influenced my career to date. Interesting. How long were you an MEP for, and how much did you enjoy it? Can you tell me some high points and some low points? Um, no, being a member of the of, of European Parliament representing my country was an enormous honour, um, and it's certainly been one of my career highlights to date. I was elected twice, so I served for two five-year terms, so I was there for 10 years. And when I was elected, I was the youngest MEP representing the UK. I was enormously proud of that. Um, and uh, it really makes a difference. I think experience is absolutely essential when it comes to decision-making, but so is also having a perspective from the people that you represent and all the different demographics. So there were very few women in politics as well. So I was not only a younger person, I was a woman too. Um, so for me, it was an enormous opportunity. I worked in international politics. So I worked with people from uh, 27 other countries um, in a very uh, social environment. I got to know lots of different views, lots of different people. We didn't always agree, countries with different opinions. Um, but on the whole, it was great. So I loved it from the social and the travel. I got to travel and see the world. It was, it was fantastic and I have made very good friends all around the world. The low points, I have to say that politics can be very, very frustrating um, and the detail that they can get to into, particularly um, in some of the international European legislation is phenomenal. I was in a debate once about food labeling 
mm-hmm. and food packaging. And I was sat in a very high-level room. I've spent a long time becoming a politician, getting myself elected, getting selected to be the representative that sat in that room, talking about this piece of legislation that will be rolled out across the whole of Europe. And the lady gets a chocolate bar out of her bag, puts it on the table, and starts passing it around. And I thought it was a joke. And it wasn't, she said. Here is a Twix bar. A Twix is two fingers of chocolate in one wrapper. Is this one portion or two? And I I started laughing because I couldn't believe that this was a real conversation. But she was serious. That was a real level conversation. It's a very high level conversation. The next debate was about the font size on a packet of chewing gum. (laughs) Whether the font size on a packet of chewing gum should be 0.5 or 1.5 millimeters. Quite incredible conversation. That went on for three months. But the next one was about whether chicken was a meat or not. Oh, my God. Can you believe it? And this is what is so frustrating sometimes, is that, yes, we need international legislation, and, yes, we need legislation that works and frameworks that are good, but the reality is is that it goes into far too much detail and it loses its complete point in the first place by being so overly complicated um, so I got very, very frustrated about um, being a member of the European Parliament. And, uh, of course, uh, we, we've left the Parliament now and we're going to go out there as global Britain and hopefully we'll make better legislation here in the UK and better decisions for the future. But it was a phenomenal period of uh, time and um, I was part of history while I was there and I'll always remember that. That sounds like some very funny conversations that you were part of. How did... I see those conversations. <laughs> How did the job at the BBPA come about? Are you the first woman to be the CEO? Um, I am not. I am very proud to say that in what is normally perceived to be a very stereotypical male-dominated uh, industry in beer and pubs, that I'm the, the, the second female CEO that we've had. Um, uh, which is fantastic. I followed in the footsteps of a great lady called Bridget Simmons. And uh, Bridget and I had worked together actually many years ago because for a short period of time, I also worked for the Rugby Football Union. I worked uh, in sport and so did she and we worked together. So we uh, we knew each other quite well. And so it was it was great to be able to have a moment of transition from a woman to another woman, which is very, very rare at CEO level but also with somebody that I'd known and had working experience with, and I still am in contact with and work today. So, um, But it's fantastic. These opportunities and moments come up every once in a blue moon. And I'll tell you what is really, really key about knowing when these opportunities come up is your network of people you meet. So everybody you meet in life or everyone that you do work experience with, you should always maintain some contact with them because you'll never know when that opportunity will come whether you need a reference or help or a bit of advice and always keep that up because actually several people um, approached me about this role because uh, they knew that I'd worked in the area on food and drink legislation. They knew that I'd had some some knowledge and interaction with the the British Beer and Pub Association before. So all of that networking came into play. How do you think the COVID-19 pandemic has affected the BBPA? Um, it's, it's absolutely devastated my sector. It is the biggest crisis we've seen in 100 years, if not longer. 
And uh, to deal with this, uh, a crisis of that scale, um, particularly as a brand new CEO, um, has been a really big challenge. But it's been even bigger for the sector. You know, pubs have had to close their doors from lockdown and have only just began to open up and different parts of the United Kingdom are opening at different times. So we have to follow all the different uh, legislation and safety guidance that's coming out across the country to help them reopen. But I'm very proud of the work that myself and my team at the BBPA do in order to support the sector, lobby government to get support so that they can still have um, pubs open beer being brewed at breweries all across the United Kingdom. And then hopefully we'll be able to secure the nearly million jobs that we have that depend on that. And that's a huge um, chunk of jobs that we have to make sure that we defend for the United Kingdom and that we can continue to grow in the future. So it's a big job with lots of responsibilities right now. Is there anything that you still want to do either personally or professionally? Yes, there is lots. I find that the more I achieve, the more I want to do. And uh, it can be quite challenging as, as somebody like that because you're always looking up, you're always striving. And sometimes you do need to stop and think, actually, you've done quite a lot already. You should maybe think about it. And what's great about your podcast is it makes me stop and it makes me look back to see how far I've come and maybe think about how I can help other young women come up through that chain, make those career decisions and support them in their journey as well. So I'd love to do that, but I'm I'm particularly a very big fan of music. So I would love to do more with the music industry because I adore it. My father was a musician. I've always admired them. I wish I could sing and write fantastic music, um, but maybe I can support them in a different way with the skills that I have. So even if there is a sector that you think I don't really know very much about it. You might have the very skills that they need to see them through. What tips would you give girls when they start to think about their careers and their future? Well, I would say don't panic if you don't have a set idea. And don't stick too much to a set idea if you have one as well. If you said, I wanted to be a vet, and then you change your mind, some people find it hard to say, I've changed my mind. At the same time, people panic if they don't have a set career path that they're going to study this subject and they're going to move on. I would always say find something that you're really passionate about, something you really enjoy doing and that you're quite good at and lean towards your skills, lean in towards your passions and find something that works for you. But don't panic. Um, Fate will take its path, but you just need to be ready. And that means by being studied, it means being prepared. It means looking for all those opportunities, those doors that may open and staying connected to people on that journey. The world is changing so much and so quickly. What do you think work for women might look like in 10 years time? Well, I hope that we don't have to have so many debates about equality um, and diversity. I hope that everybody will be accepted for their skills and their talents, that there'll be more opportunities particularly um, at the top of organizations, that women will be, um, as I believe they are accepted for their ability, but actually it will be equally reflected without having to do too much talking about it or changing systems and to make that happen. That people become, and women become, recognized for their skills and their talents that they have. 
but the world is changing too. So we all have to make sure that we're adapting. And that's men and women, that we all keep up to speed with new developments, what's happening in the world and new ways of working. So my challenge is to become very tech savvy, to make sure I stay at cutting edge of new artificial intelligence, new technologies being made, making sure I can understand it because the next generation will. And for me to be able to help them we're going to have to know and understand each other and work together. So, um, I, yeah, I hope that in 10 years' time, the world will be a more efficient, more eco-friendly, sustainable, and women-friendly I have really enjoyed chatting with you today, Emma. Thank you so much, and I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they are about to make. Keep listening to Grace Jeffries Meets as I talk to many more brilliant women.